Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. So the vision of the Way City Church is to reach the lost and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We reach the saints and the lost by being relevant to our generation and we are completely open to become all things to all people only without the compromise of the Word of God. We desire to be a mission-based, multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, economically diverse church that loves God passionately and has a zeal for the spiritual development of people. <clears throat> this is our vision. So right now we are in a vision series, and we're going through um, our vision strategy, uh, GED, which is we grow, we evangelize, we disciple. Last week, we spoke about the G in GED. We spoke about spiritual growth. And we didn't only uh, speak about it, but I hope that you, that you heard it, and I hope that you began to apply that word uh, through your daily reading as we are going through the book of Proverbs. Today, we're on Proverbs chapter 8. So I hope that you guys have been, um, have been reading your chapter uh, a day. But this week, we are focusing on the E within GED, which is evangelism evangelizing. That is the focus for today. Again, we are within our vision series. So our vision, GED, encompasses the three main purposes of the church, which is ministry to God, ministry to believers, and ministry to the world. Ministry to God through our worship, ministry to believers through discipleship, and ministry to the world through Evangelism. So we're speaking again about evangelism today. When Billy Graham was asked the question, who will be your successor? His response was, the church. They asked him, they said, who will be your successor? And he said, the church. For evangelism is the work of the church. It's not the work of one man, of one individual, or a special elite group of people, but it is, it is the work ultimately of, of the church. God has, has given the task of evangelizing to the church. The, the power for evangelism and the greatest strategy for evangelism begins with prayer. Amen. Amen. The greatest strategy for evangelism and the power of evangelism begins with prayer. Praying for the lost will definitely motivate you to speak to them. In Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Bible says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out laborers into the harvest field. And these are the final verses of Matthew chapter 9. And then we see in, in the very next verse, which is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, that Jesus, he empowers his disciples and then he sends them out. So first he tells them, he says, pray for the lost. Pray for laborers to go out into the harvest field. 
And then the very next verse, in Matthew 10 and verse 1, he, he empowers them. And then we find out that they are going out. You cannot pray for the lost without being prompted or moved to actually witness to them. I'm telling you, there, there have been times in my life where I've tried it. I've been in my car, maybe waiting for my wife, and she's in the grocery store, and, and I've seen an individual, and I just felt led to, to pray for them, right? And I'm, and I'm praying for them. And what am I praying? I'm praying, Lord, send someone to preach the gospel to this individual. Lord, you love him. Send someone to... And then after I pray, I'm like, man, I've got to go speak to them. Right? So I'm praying for them, but then I find myself getting out of the car, and then I'm that individual that's going to share the gospel with them. So as you pray for the lost, you, you cannot not be motivated to, to share the gospel with the lost. So this is the, this is the power uh, and the greatest strategy for evangelism. It begins with praying for them. And we believe that prayer is the foundation by which every spiritual house is built. Prayer is the foundation by which every spiritual house is built. It begins in prayer. I want to encourage you guys, if you didn't um, hear uh, a message that I shared called Love for the Lost, then you can hear that on our website. Um, but within that message, I said this. I said, I used to believe that the number one reason why people would not share their faith was because of fear. Fear of rejection, fear of not being able to say the right thing, uh, fear, just, just, just fear. But I had a conversation with an individual uh, over 10 years ago, and they told me they believe the, the biggest reason why people don't share their faith is because they just don't care. And when I heard that, it was, my eyes were open. And I had never, I had never thought about that. I had never even considered that before. So I'm going to give you guys, you know, four, four reasons, um, just real quick, why people don't share their faith. Number one is, you know, they're just, maybe they're not a believer. Right? Believers, unbelievers don't share their faith, right? So, not a believer, don't, don't know Jesus. Obviously, you cannot share your faith if you, don't, if you don't know him, if you're not moved by him, right? Can't share your faith. Number two is going to be what? Fear. I'm, I'm afraid. That ties people up and it holds them back. Number three is going to be I just don't feel equipped. If someone would, would equip me, um, I would definitely share my faith. And number four is, as I said, people just, they just don't care. I can teach you and we can teach you how to, strategies of how to share your faith, but it's very difficult to teach someone compassion. That's something where you have to ask the Father, you have to, in prayer, ask Him to give you His heart. But compassion really is a very difficult thing to teach, compassion. 
And Jesus was always moved with compassion. So, if you just don't care, you're not afraid to speak to people, it's not, it's not fear, it's not even that you don't even know the gospel message. But man, I'm just not moved by lost people. I, I just really don't, don't care. I encourage you to fall down on your knees, to put your face on the ground and ask the Father for his heart and for compassion for lost people. Amen? I want to ask you guys a few questions today. I want to ask you a few questions. What would you do if an angel appeared to you in a dream and gave you a message? What would you do if an angel, and you knew it was an angel of God, and an angel appeared to you in a dream and gave you a message? What would you do if this repeated for three nights? The dream repeated itself. What would you do? How would you respond? How serious would you take that message? What if it repeated for seven nights in a row? On a scale of one to ten, how serious would you take that message? What if an angel, not just in a dream, but an angel himself appeared to you and gave you a message? And he appeared to you three times and gave you the same message, and you knew it was an angel of God. How would you react? How would you respond to it? I want you to understand this. God has given you a message. In Mark 16 and verse 15, And he says to you and to me, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, does that change the the authority of the message? Do not exalt the, the supernatural over the simplicity of the word of God. Do not exalt the supernatural over the simplicity of the word. Because most of you, I believe, if an angel appeared to you and told you, share your faith, you would do it. I need you to share the gospel. If an angel appeared to you and gave you a message, you'll take it very seriously. The word of God has given us the same charge, the same command. How seriously do we take it when the Word tells us to preach this gospel to unbelievers? So do not again exalt the supernatural over the simplicity of the Word of God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And I think the problem is this. I think most Christians, we, we believe in evangelism, right? We, we believe that we should do it, right? Yes or no? Yes. But so many times what we, what we believe and what we do are two different things. And why is that? 
What we believe and what we do are two completely different things. We know how to speak the, the language, Christianese. We know how to speak the, the talk. But what we believe and what we do are two completely different things. And this is a problem for us. This is a problem for the church. We believe in it. We believe in evangelism. We believe it's good. We believe that we should do it. But yet we don't. Right? We have been, we have been you know, trained even in the world, right? We, we learn how to, how to take tests, to pass tests without ever uh, retaining or understanding the information. Right? We don't understand, but we're, we're trained just to just to take the test and to, and to pass. Right? Without understanding what we're actually writing. And that's what it's like with Christianity. We, we know what it says. Right? We, we kind of get it. But yet we don't, we just don't do it. We just don't practice it. And this is a, a problem. And we're speaking specifically about evangelism today. But I mean, this is, this is true with the Word of God in general. You know, every time that, I, that you guys go to church and you hear the Word, do something with it, please. Don't just come to, to hear but every single time that you sit in a service, say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave with, with something that I can apply, something that I can do. We want to be doers of the word, right? And not hearers only. So every single time that you come into church, determine that I'm going to leave and I'm going to do something with a word that I have heard. Amen? Amen. I want to show you guys a testimony. Um, it's about... Eight minutes long, but it's one of the most uh, powerful testimonies that I've ever heard on evangelism. It's extremely powerful. Um, the man's name is a man called Mr. Genor uh, from Sydney, Australia, and just a very, very powerful uh, story and testimony. And every now and again in life, you know, God peels back the curtain and he allows us to see what's happening behind the scenes. And that's true about this testimony. This message is non-copyright. Duplication is encouraged. A number of years ago, in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in southern London, the Sunday morning service was closing, and a stranger stood up at the back, raised his hand, he said, Excuse me, Pastor, can I share a little testimony? The pastor looked at his watch, he said, You've got three minutes. And this man proceeded. He said, I've just moved into this area. I used to live in another part of London. I came from Sydney in Australia. And just a few months back, I was visiting some relatives, and I was walking down George Street. You know where George Street is in Sydney? It runs from the business hub out to the rocks, the colonial area. And he said, a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand, and he said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? You have to say he said, I was astounded by those words. Nobody had ever told me that. I thanked him courteously, and all the way on British Airlines, back to Heathrow, this puzzled me. I called a friend who lived in this new area, where I'm living now, and thank God he was a Christian, he led me to Christ, and I'm a Christian and I want a fellowship here. And Baptists love testimonies like it. Everyone applauded and welcomed him into the fellowship. That Baptist pastor flew to Adelaide in Australia the next week. And ten days later, 
in the middle of a three-day series in a Baptist church in Adelaide, a woman came to him for counseling and he wanted to establish where she stood with Christ. And she said, I used to live in Sydney. And just a couple of months back, I was visiting friends in Sydney, doing some last-minute shopping down George Street, and a strange little white-haired man, elderly man, stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a pamphlet and said, Excuse me, ma'am, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? She said, I was disturbed by those words. When I got back to Adelaide, I knew this Baptist church was on the next block from me, and I sought out the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So, sir, I'm telling you that I am a Christian. Now, this London pastor was now very puzzled. Twice, within a fortnight, he'd heard the same testimony. He then flew to preach in the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Perth. And when his teaching series was over, the senior elder of that church took him out for a meal. And he said, mate, how'd you get saved? He said, I grew up in this church from the age of 15 through Boys Brigade. Never made a commitment to Jesus, just hopped on the bandwagon like everybody else. And because of my business ability, grew up to a place of influence. I was on a business outing in Sydney just three years ago. And an obnoxious, spiteful little man stepped out of a stop shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, cheap junk, and accosted me with a question. Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder. He wouldn't listen to me. He said, I was seething with anger all the way home on Qantas to, to Perth. He said, I told my pastor, thinking he would sympathize with me, and my pastor agreed. He had been disturbed for years knowing that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and he was right. And my pastor led me to Jesus just three years ago. Now this London preacher flew back to the UK and was speaking at the Keswick Convention in the Lake District. And he threw in these three testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, four elderly pastors came up and said, we got saved between 25 and 35 years ago, respectively, through that little man on George Street giving us a tract and asking us that question. He then flew the following week to a similar Keswick convention in the Caribbean, to missionaries. And he shared the testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, three missionaries came up and said, we got saved between 15 and 25 years ago, respectively, through that little man's testimony and asking us that same question on George Street in Sydney. Coming back to London, he stopped outside Atlanta, Georgia, to speak at a naval chaplain's convention. And when his three days of revving these naval chaplains up, over a thousand of them, in soul winning, the chaplain general took him out for a meal. And he said, how did you become a Christian? He said, well, it was miraculous. I was a rating on a United States battleship, and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercises in the South Pacific, and we docked in Sydney Harbor for replenishments. We hit King's Cross with a vengeance. I got blind drunk. I got on the wrong bus, got off in George Street, and... <laughs> As I got off the bus, I thought it was a ghost. This elderly, white-haired man jumped in front of me, pushed a pamphlet in my hand and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, the fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked sober and ran back to the battleship, sought out the chaplain. The chaplain led me to Christ. And I soon began to prepare for the ministry under his guidance. And here I am in charge of over a thousand chaplains and we're bent on soul winning today. That London preacher... Six months later, flew to do a convention for 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of northeastern India. And at the end, the Indian missionary in charge, a humble little man, took him home to his humble little home for a simple meal. And he said, how did you, as a Hindu, come to Christ? He said, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission. And I traveled the world. And I am so glad for the forgiveness of Christ and his blood covering my sin, because I'd be very embarrassed if people found out what I got into. 
He said, one bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney. And I was doing some last-minute shopping laden with parcels of toys and clothing for my children, walking down George Street. And this courteous little white-haired man stepped out in front of me, offered me a pamphlet, and said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my town, I sought out the Hindu priest, and he couldn't help me. But he gave me some advice. He said, just to satisfy your curious mind, nothing else, go and talk to the missionary in the mission house at the end of the road. And that was fatal advice. He said, because that day the missionary led me to Christ, I quit Hinduism immediately, and then began to study for the ministry. I left the diplomatic service, and here I am, by God's grace, in charge of all these missionaries, and we are winning hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Well, eight months later, that Crystal Palace Baptist pastor was ministering in Sydney, in Gymea, southern suburb of Sydney. And he said to the Baptist minister, do you know a little man, an elderly little man, who witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? And he said, I do. His name is Mr. Genor, G-E-N-O-R. But I don't think he does it anymore. He's too frail and elderly. The man said, I want to meet him. Two nights later, they went around to this little apartment, knocked on the door, and this tiny, frail little man opened the door. He sat them down, made them some tea, and he was so frail he was slopping tea into the sauce as he shook. And as he sat with them, this London preacher told him all these accounts over the previous three years. This little man sat with tears running down his cheeks. He said, my story goes like this. He said, I was a rating on an Australian warship, and I lived a reprobate life, and in a crisis, I really hit the wall, and one of my colleagues whom I gave literal hell was there to help me. He led me to Jesus, and the change in my life was night to day in 24 hours. And I was so grateful to God. I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least 10 people a day. As God gave me strength. Sometimes I was ill, I couldn't do it, but I made up for it for other times. I wasn't paranoid about it, but I have done this for over 40 years. And in my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people. I got lots of rejections. But a lot of people courteously took the tracks. And he said, in 40 years of doing this, I've never heard of one single person coming to Jesus until today. Do you know, I would say that has to be commitment. That has to be just sheer gratitude and love for Jesus to do that. Not hearing of any results. Margarita did a little count. That's 146,100 people. That simple little non-charismatic Baptist man influenced somehow to Jesus. And I believe what God was showing that Baptist minister was the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of this iceberg. Goodness knows how many more had been arrested for Christ and were doing huge jobs out in the mission field. Mr. Genor died two weeks later. And can you imagine the reward he went home to in heaven? I doubt if his face would ever have appeared on Charisma magazine, I doubt if there would ever have been a write-up with a photograph in Billy Graham's Decision magazine, as beautiful as those magazines are. Nobody except a little group of Baptists in southern Sydney knew about Mr. Genor. But I'll tell you, his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew Mr. Genor. And you can imagine the welcome and the red carpet and the fanfare he went home to when he arrived in glory. Very powerful. Listen, um... If you don't, if you don't evangelize, because there are there are so many different people that have you know different ideas of evangelism, you know I, I disagree with this approach and I disagree with that. 
if you do not evangelize, then you have absolutely no right or no authority to criticize another man's evangelism strategy. No right. So the, the Holy Spirit um, works through different people in different ways. And that was just, I mean, that was extremely simple what he did. But look at the results. Well, I just don't believe in open-air preachers. Again, if you're not preaching, if you're not sharing the gospel, if you're not evangelizing, then you have no right to criticize the way that someone else does it. If you do it, then I'll listen to your, your opinion. But if you don't, then, then I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. If you evangelize, then yes, absolutely. I'll listen to whatever approach you think. But it is amazing how, how the Spirit of the Lord um, used that man. And he's using people all over the world every single day. He's using people. So I just love that, that testimony. Very, very powerful. At the Way City Church, we evangelize by pursuing the lost and by sharing our story, which leads to his story. All right, we, we pursue the lost. And I want to get rid of some uh, misconceptions. Perhaps you think that it is the evangelist's job to evangelize. Right? That's, the, that's the role of the evangelist in the church. But remember uh, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, which we spoke about a couple weeks ago. Right? Ephesians 4, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So it's not only the evangelist's job to evangelize, but it's his job to equip you for evangelism. His, his role is also to equip you for the work of the ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, their role is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So again, so you thought it was his job. But his job and his role is to equip you for that work and for that task. So it's not just his role, but it's your role. And one thing that I've heard um, a lot in this country uh, and, and other uh, Western countries, I've heard this a lot, uh, that's just not my gifting. What does that mean? <laughs> as, a, as a Christian, you're telling me that you're not gifted to tell others about Jesus? What does that mean? That's just not my gifting, brother. That's, as a, as a believer, you're communicating to me that it's not your gifting to tell people about the Savior that you know? I, I've never heard that so much as I've heard it in this country. I'm just, that's just not my... You, you don't get, you misunderstand this whole thing. This has nothing to do with, with a special group of people. If, if grace has come to you, then grace must be extended to others. Amen. And, it's, and it's that simple. You are only disqualified from preaching the gospel if you haven't received it for yourself. 
That's the only thing that disqualifies you. And that's it. So I want to I wanna tell you today what God's plan is for your life. Everyone wants to know, man, what's God's plan for my life? What's God's calling on my life? What's the, what's the ministry that God has called me to? Everyone wants to know that question. I'm trying to figure out, man, God's plan for my life. What's the ministry that he has for me? What's his calling on my life? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that for you today. Amen? Amen? You guys should write this down. His plan for your life is found here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. It's revealed to you. And it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has, and has, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Mm. Mm. I'm going to read that again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, verse 18. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which is what? Verse 19, that is that God in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to who? To you, to us, the word of reconciliation. We usually stop right there at verse 18, at the who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. He's reconciled us to himself through Christ. And we stop right there. But wait, there's more. There's more. He reconciled us not just so that we could be reconciled. But he reconciled us and has given us the very ministry of reconciliation. That is that God uses us to bring people to know Him. That is your ministry. That is the plan that God has for your life. That is what God has called you to. If you are in Christ. Freely you received and freely you give. So that is what God has in store for you. Yes, there are some more specifics, of course. But generally speaking, let's start with what we know. 
Maybe you're trying to figure out, man, man, what's God got in store for me? Let's start with what you know. Why do you want to know what God has in store for you? You want to know, I believe, so that you can fulfill it. So let's start with what you do know. What you do know is that Christ has called you to the ministry of reconciliation. That you know. So how do you handle that truth? He who is faithful in little will be faithful in much, right? How do you handle the truths that you do know? You want God to be more specific and tell you some more specific things about your future and your life? Well, how do you handle the truths that he's already revealed to you? This is his plan for you. This is the ministry that he's called you to. Evangelism. And we can, and we can settle that today. That is a fact. That is what he has called you to. Not the person next to you, but you. That is exactly what he's called you to. And again, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. You know, and in my mind, what makes sense to me is that the moment that I was baptized, it would make so much sense for the plan to be this. Baptize me, and then I ascend straight to heaven. It just, it just makes sense in my mind. Man, I'm going to know Jesus, baptize me, and then boom, straight to heaven. But that's not God's plan. Why does God still have us here after we believe in him, confess faith in him, after we are baptized? Why are we still here? Because it would make sense in my mind to just go straight to heaven and be with Jesus. A baptism. But he has us here for a reason and for a purpose. You are more beneficial right now to him on earth than you are in heaven. Understand that. And you are here on earth not just to raise as much money as possible so that you can have a comfortable retirement. Not just to raise as much money as possible so that you can pay for the college of your great-grandchildren. We are not on earth, we are not living so that we can prepare to die comfortably. That's how the world lives, though. Their, their entire life is, is based upon preparation to die. In the physical sense. That's, that's how they live. You and I, we're here not for that purpose. Are those things good? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. But that's not, that's not the purpose while we're here. That is secondary stuff. The, the purpose while we're here is to tell others about Jesus.
That's why we're here. That's why we're still here. Not to build your kingdom. Not to build your family. That is, that is not, that is not, that is not, that is not, that is not why you're here. I'm telling you. You are here for this very reason of bringing people to know Jesus. Enjoy your life. The other stuff, it's all good. But this is the purpose. Amen? Amen. This is the purpose. You know, um, in the video there, Acts, Acts 13 speaks about, you know, David serving God in his generation, you know, and, and that's what I want to be on my tombstone. Marlon Ewood, a man who served God's purpose within his generation. A man who served God's purpose within his generation. Because nothing else matters. When it's all said and done, that's what it's all about. Did I do, did you do what God called you to do while you were on earth? Were you a good steward with the gospel that you knew, with the gospel that he extended to you? Were you a good steward of that? You received the message. You benefited from the message. Were you a good steward with it? That's what it's all. That's what it's all about. A man who served God within his generation. That's what I want. A man who served God within his generation. Let's continue. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Verse 15, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And I'm going to read it again in a different translation, in the New Living Translation from verse 14, and it says this, But thank God He made us His captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task? as this, 
That is who we are. We are the, the aroma of God on the earth. That's beautiful. We are His aroma on the earth. So let's, let's get around people. Let's get around unbelievers and, and allow that, that fragrance to, to roam. Another misconception that I've heard is this. Preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Have you guys heard that? Have you guys heard that? Preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Now, I, I understand where that's coming from. But let me tell you something. We, 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 preach, we preach the gospel. Our lives should line up with our words, 100%. But we preach the gospel with our words. And that, for me, just makes people feel, feel comfortable about not sharing their faith. Oh, yeah, I just, I just preach the gospel through my life. I've, I've never witnessed to someone effectively by just standing next to them. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. You must use your words. And, and again, that makes us feel comfortable about, yeah, you know, you know, I just, you know, I just, I just live right, you know, and, you know, and, you know, you know, if they see it, you know, no, we, we must use our words. And I'm, I'm super glad that we have an evangelism city group and um, our leaders there, they are not teaching, right? I don't think you guys are teaching, right, uh, <laughs> to, to not use words, right? No, okay, amen, amen. So that's not what we're teaching, right? We are not teaching. We're teaching use your words. So that is a misconception that you can preach the gospel um, effectively um, to people with, without words. Again, I understand, right? Live right, absolutely, right? And um, absolutely your lifestyle can contradict the gospel message. Of course it can. So that should not be so. But the gospel, my friend, needs to be preached with, with words. It needs to be preached with words. So, so allow your lifestyle and your words to, uh, to be one. You will be most effective when you, when you preach the gospel with words. Amen? Amen. Three specific... Uh, points I want to leave with you guys before we close today. These are um, strategic at the Way City Church, and this is the, the perspective that we have when it comes to um, evangelism. Number one, there is power in pursuit. There is power in pursuit. There is power in your story, and there is power in an invitation. There is power in pursuit. There is power within your story. And there is power in an invitation. There is power in pursuit. We as a church are actively pursuing the loss by having a, a group, for example, that is dedicated to, to training us up and, and teaching us and making sure that we as a church don't lose that focus. 
So we have a city group that meets every Wednesday from 7 to 9, um, every Wednesday. And that focus is equipping us for sharing our faith in pursuing the loss. And they make sure that we, again, as a church, we don't forget that or lose that as a focus. So we are pursuing the lost by making sure that we, that we give time and attention and, and training um, and obviously eventually going out. Going out as a team, but also going out as individuals. So this is how we as a church are making sure that we are pursuing the loss. So if you guys are not a part of a city group, you guys can sign up for city groups at the end. Um, there are more city groups, but if, you are, um, if you're not a part of one, then, then also consider that one. So we, as a church, we want to be on mission like Jesus was. Luke 19.10, right? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is pursuing the lost. So again, as individuals, even if you're part of that group or you're not, as individuals, I want us to be about pursuing the lost as Jesus was. That's why he came. That was his purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's the same purpose that we have. So in your own personal time, be about that mission. So there is power in pursuit. There is power in your story, which is your testimony. Your testimony is powerful. Your testimony is what God has done in you and through you. You know your story. You know your testimony, and no one can deny it. So we, we approach the loss through, yes, the, the gospel. But you can also approach the loss with your story. Hey, this is what God has done in my life. So just knowing your story, which you know, just sharing that with people. This is what God has done for me. This is what he's done in my life. Your testimony is powerful. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. And in the context of that verse, it's speaking about overcoming Satan. But it's also revealed within that verse that there is power within your testimony. That there is power within your story. So this is one way that we pursue the loss through our story. Just, just sharing your story. This is what Christ has done for me. Amen? And then finally, there's, there's power in an invitation. Right? So reaching someone with the gospel message, reaching someone with, with just your personal story of what God has done, or reaching someone through just an invitation. Hey, man, I, you know, I want to invite you to come to church with me. So you can do maybe all three, but you can at least do one or two of those three. Just an invitation. 
That's what the woman at the well did. She met Jesus. She encountered Jesus. And the Bible says that she went into the city and she told all the men, come and see a real man. Come and, come and hear a man who told me all that I ever did. And she proclaimed it. And then the Bible says that they, they came at her word. They came and they met this man, Jesus. And the Bible says that they believed in him, in Jesus, because of his word. But they came to Jesus because of the testimony, but also the invitation of the woman at the well. And that's found in John chapter 4. We're going to skip it for sake of time, but John chapter 4. She shared her story in the city, and then she gave an invitation. And they responded to it. So there is power in pursuing the lost. There's power in pursuit. There is power in your story. And there is power in an invitation. Amen. 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 I'm going to share with you guys in, in just a moment um, the simple, simple gospel message. And if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, the message is for you in a very personal way. And for you who do know him, these are some, some uh, tips or some points that you, can, that you can use in sharing your faith. But before I do that, I remember I went to, uh, several years ago, I went to an evangelism uh, conference. And they were teaching and they were speaking about evangelism. And the, the gentleman who was teaching, he said this. He said that it takes between five and seven years of building a relationship with someone before you can invite them to church. I'm not lying. And I was blown away by that. I, I don't have that kind of time. They may not have that kind of time. But he was, but he was teaching and saying, you know, you know, there are all these stages, you know, before you can. John chapter 4, Jesus. Woman at the well. She came thirsty. both within the natural, but also, more importantly, within the spiritual. And her thirst was quenched that day. And that day she became an evangelist. The same day. So this doesn't take, guys, guys years of, of building a relationship. There are, there are different, um, different people that God will place in your life. Some people, it may take more time, but that's not the standard for everyone. I call them woman at the well conversations. There are people who the Holy Spirit will lead you to, to speak to, to, to witness to, and that day they will come to know him. There, there are neighbors who, who, who it may take a few months of, 
of investing in, you know, and really praying for and interceding for them, and they will come to know him. But don't think that this takes, this takes years and years and years and years of, no, 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 no. Be led by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Be led by the Spirit and preach the gospel. So before I get into um, a few points today, the gospel is, is all about ladders. Or, excuse me, religion is all about ladders. Every, every single religion in the world is about a ladder. And it's about if I do the right thing, then I can take one step further up the ladder. If I do this, if I do that, if I work hard enough, then I get one step closer. And every single religion is about works. And it's about trying to climb this ladder. Every religion. The difference between Christianity and every other religion is it's not about us trying to climb a ladder, trying to get to God. But Jesus Christ came down the ladder. And he came to us. Because we, we cannot climb, we cannot get to him by ourselves. He came to us. He had to come down to us. And that's the difference between us and every other religion. Every religion teaches, man, if you say these amount of prayers every single day, you're going to get one step closer. If you give to charity, if you do good works, one step closer. That is not Christianity. Christianity is Jesus coming down and coming to us. And then he himself being the ladder, the bridge. And saying no one gets to the Father except through me. This is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he came to bridge the gap between us and God, and only He could do that. Amen? Amen. So the basic gospel message, whenever I'm sharing with people, I personally, I I believe that God loves people, and I believe that God has, has a plan for every individual's life. I believe that. And I, and I tell people that. So I believe in Jeremiah 29, 11, not just for Jeremiah, but I believe in that um, for us all. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of good and not of evil, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I let people know that God has a plan for them. God loves them and has a plan for their life. Jeremiah 31.3 speaks about, I have loved you with an unconditional, unfailing love. I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. Because I believe that it is the, the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. Now, there are times where we have to be, have to be firm and be 
be firm or, or even harsh with the gospel. Because the scriptures speak about different methods. But I always approach with, with love. But now here's, here's the problem. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The problem is sin. We've sinned, we've missed the mark, we fall short of God's glory. So here's this God that loves you, he has a plan for you, a purpose for you. But the issue is sin. We've sinned, we've missed the mark. Because of your sin, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But the wages of sin is death. So what you deserve for your sin, the reward for your sin is death. You go to work, every two weeks they give you a paycheck. That's what you earn because of your services. What we earn, our reward for sin is death. That's the check. That's what we deserve. So the wages of sin, so there's a problem. The wages of sin is death. And we deserve it. Romans 5.8, but praise God. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he is the solution to our problem. There is a problem, a sin problem, but Jesus Christ demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, he didn't die for us when we were holy or righteous because we could not be without him, but while we were sinners. So people who feel like they, they can't know him because they're in sin, it's a lie from the enemy because Christ came for sinners. And you can't prepare yourself to get right or to get ready for salvation. But he died for you within your sin. And then Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Simple gospel message. And I pray that today that you will be convicted and that you will leave this place and look for opportunities. Say, Holy Spirit, use me. I want to be a good steward of the gospel message. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.